Now brought to you by the Children's Rehabilitation Institute Teleton USA. Hey, this is Laura. And this is Natalie. We're two therapists that work at CRIT, the Children's Rehabilitation Institute Teleton USA. We wanted to provide the community with an outlet for their stories and resources for our families that may not have access or know how to begin. We hope that through these interviews, we can continue to serve our families and the pediatric therapy community with knowledge and education from a distance. Join us as we speak with some of our therapists, patients, and their families about their diagnosis and discuss how CRIT has helped them navigate their unique challenges. Thanks for listening. Uh, hey friends, we are continuing our mission to bring awareness to SMA or spinal muscular atrophy in the month of August by interviewing certified genetic counselor, Rebecca Littlejohn. Natalie and I will chat with her about what SMA is and how she helps these families through her counseling services. Enjoy. You are listening to the Re-Eval brought to you by Chris. Hey everybody, uh, Laura and I have this opportunity to be interviewing one of our genetic counselors while she's not here all the time at CRIT. Um, we do get to see her in the building every so often and she really gets to help our families um, that have a little bit more of a genetic need background. Um, I don't see her too often, but we do have Rebecca with us today and going into August with Spinal Muscular Atrophy Awareness Month, we really wanted to highlight all about this diagnosis of SMA and um, especially the genetic counseling point of view. So, um, Rebecca, how's it going? Hi. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Laura. Hello. Um, thank you for having me today. Oh, we're um, super again, excited. <laughs> yes. And again, I'm Rebecca. I'm one of the genetic counselors that works at CRIT. Um, uh, and there's a gen other genetic counselor that comes also to CRIT once a month to see the patients there. So thank you. Oh, yeah, we're super excited. It's always nice when we do get to see your faces. I don't think we see each other much, but when we see y'all, we're like, yes, they're here. It's typically Fridays. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, the clinic is held on Fridays. And, you know, everyone is always welcome to come to us and ask us questions about any of the families we see at CRIT. Oh, wow. Awesome. Um, so for a lot of people listening, um, genetic counseling, I honestly didn't know much about it until I physically started working at Crete. Um, and I still don't know a whole lot, but I have learned that a lot of our families do get to utilize the genetic counselors here. Um, so as a genetic counselor, can you explain what you get to do? Sure. Yeah. So as a genetic counselor, um, we meet with the families to discuss uh, their child's genetic condition and or potential for a genetic condition and what the condition is, what it means for their health and how uh, we can get them involved and in certain therapies or um, help them understand the management for their condition. Gotcha. Um, like I said, I'm not super familiar with genetic counselors. I know it's a completely different degree path. Um, so what was, how did how did your education play out? Like what was your degrees in to, to certify you to become a genetic counselor? So I went to school and got my bachelor's degree in uh, a science field, um, not knowing about genetic counseling at the time, but knowing I wanted to do something medical and most genetic counseling programs require a bachelor's degree. Uh, and then after that, I uh, applied to Genetic Counseling School, which is a, um, a genetic counseling program which re 
uh, sets you up to um, get your master's degree in genetics uh, and counseling. Um, and when you go through that type of program, um, you get to uh, do clinical work and take classes to learn all about medical genetics. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, I didn't know about, like, the master's. I assumed it was a master's, but you never know with this today and time. <laughs> and, um, it's always interesting to see the different paths that people take to get to where they're at. I, I'm the same way. Yeah. I didn't know I wanted to do until I found out about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, it was definitely my calling. I think I, I found it later for a reason. I don't know. <laughs> hey, that's all right. Better late than never, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I know you said earlier you meet with families, whether it's potential um, diagnosis is to come up or um, just to help them figure out, navigate through a certain um, diagnosis. Patients can be referred to you, um, but when do you usually get to start meeting with the families? Is it before they're born or right after they're born? Um, like, what does that look like? Yeah, so for every family, it's very different when a genetic counselor meets with them. Um, Sometimes there are genetic counselors that work in the prenatal realm that meet with families during a pregnancy uh, to discuss with them about the risk for their current pregnancy to have a genetic condition based on exams that have been done or family history of a genetic condition. I'm not, I don't specifically work in that area. Um, uh, I tend to meet with families after a baby has been born or a patient has been born when they're either a child all the way through adulthood to talk about talk with them about their risk uh, to have a genetic condition or a family history of a genetic condition um, there are other genetic counselors that work in other areas uh, as well um, another big example in the clinical realm is cancer um, and so there are many genetic counselors that work with families who have a family history of cancer or have cancer themselves. Um, so I think there's many areas that genetic counselors touch uh, with respect to clinical work um, and genetic counselors work in non-clinical areas as, as well too, so, but I won't touch on those. <laughs> um, that, that's pretty extensive. So from what I do on a day-to-day basis, uh, I mostly work with kids, um, and I mostly work uh, as part of a group um, with other physicians, nurse practitioners, dietitians, um, pediatric rehab specialists, um, uh, physical therapists, and other other team members. Um, and uh, whenever the team, um, any members of those team, but often another physician or nurse practitioner and myself meet with the family, we sit down with the family and we try to understand the family's story and the child's story, and, and which means their medical history. You know, what happened during their pregnancy? Uh, what happened after birth? To try to better understand, um, you know, all the aspects of their health and do all those different um, areas or, you know, parts of the medical history give us a good picture of what is going on with their health. Um, And we also take a really extensive family history. So we want to know if everybody wonders who's in the family, (laughs) all all the brothers and sisters, uh, the mom and dad's um, 
information their brothers and sisters grandma and grandpa's uh you know uh, uh, uh their health uh, information too because that helps us figure out is there is there some genetic condition being passed down through the family um where we need to look more into better understanding um what that could be and then our team does an exam and in genetics in general we tend to look for small little clues uh with the child's physical exam to understand if that could also uh, be part of their whole uh, picture and could they have a genetic condition and then we continue to work with families over several visits to hopefully try to get a diagnosis if they don't have one or to continue to manage them over time um to make sure that child um is up to date on the recommended uh guidelines about that specific condition. So when I was preparing um for your interview, I was reading a lot about like you're saying family history, a lot of it has to do with getting that information so that you can kind of communicate uh, through the boards of like how to track um DNA and everything, right? It's kind of what I was understood. Um I came across a uh genetic counselor podcast which was like super interesting i'll have to i'll have to find it and put it on the end of this um but it was talking a lot about like undiagnosed conditions and so um it had me thinking because we recently did a podcast with um someone who was adopted and they know their maternal um and paternal you know family and they can get the history that way but what what is the route that a genetic counselor would take for someone that doesn't have that family history yeah i'm glad you bring that up so i mean i think that situation in adoption or even when patients are in foster care and they don't necessarily know a lot about their family um You know, we try to get all the information we can and you know, if that's not available to us, that that's okay too. Not everybody knows everything about all their family members. Um uh, but we still take whatever we can get from those conversations and it helps us formulate a plan about what do we do next to help understand what type of genetic condition this patient may have. Yeah, I mean, I think the challenge with rare disease uh is just getting all the patients who like you said have a rare disease together to better understand all of their health symptoms and the reason to know those health symptoms is to you know help other families who have those health symptoms as well right yes. so anybody else who may have that rare disease so essentially getting databases together about the medical aspects related to rare diseases there are some websites uh through the NIH uh so the National Institutes of Health uh that uh allow patients with rare disease to share their health symptoms um there's also lots of social media out there <laughs> where families can participate and uh share with other families about their rare disease um too and I mean I will suggest to families that social media platforms like Facebook are a good way to try to find other people um but to be very cautious about the medical advice received through any of those platforms and to really talk with their doctors about any healthcare concerns that they have shifting gears just a little bit so going into August um August is spinal muscular atrophy awareness month um 
And we do have a few kiddos here at Crit that do have SMA. Um, and I know a big part of SMA is um, genetic testing to confirm this. Um, so from your perspective, can you help us better understand what it means to be diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy? Yeah, so spinal muscular atrophy or SMA is a genetic condition. Um, so if we think about the typical body, sort of what happens is that the brain sends a signal to our nerves that helps our muscles move in like the sort of uh, just the general sense of what's going on. With spinal muscular atrophy or SMA, a specific protein that helps this nerve uh send the signal to our muscle um, uh, doesn't work properly. And so when this uh, protein doesn't work, that means our muscle is not getting the signal. And so what happens is, is our muscles become weaker over time. And with some of our patients, they get diagnosed right at birth with this condition. while there are some patients who get diagnosed later in life with this condition. So what it means to have SMA is that patients who have this condition um, have a genetic difference in a gene that makes that protein. Um, And the name of that gene is SMN1. That's a a really good answer. I was just telling Laura earlier that I... I have a good general idea of SMA, but not the specific science behind it. So that definitely helps paint a pretty clear picture in my head. Um, so as a genetic counselor, how do you help patients and families um, with kids with SMA? So I'm glad you asked this question uh, because the landscape of treatment for SMA has, or spinal muscular atrophy has changed significantly over time. Um, even since I've been in practice. Um, And so previously, um, as we discussed, because the muscles become weaker over time, that's muscles all over the body. Um, And so the condition would progress, and many uh, of these patients would have poor outcomes um, because because of this condition. But now... Diagnosing a patient with SMA early, even before they're born, can help us provide them with the best treatment soon after birth, which now includes gene therapy. Um, So there is a gene therapy available for patients who have spinal muscular atrophy, which previously where the patients had progressive um, disease over time, that has completely changed the course of every patient's life if they're able to receive that treatment. There's also other tri- treatments available if a patient doesn't qualify for, for, the, for the gene therapy. And so knowing as genetics and genetic counselors, meeting with families to, to know if they or the patient or any other family members could be affected, we talk about that with them. And we talk about the fact that you know, there's this diagnosis, but, but now there's a treatment available t- to them and helping them get plugged in with the specialists who are able to provide that treatment, talking with them about the chances that any future children could have this uh, condition, and connecting them with resources uh, for, 
or this condition um, and making sure that they're aware that they're, the, the advances in, in clinical treatment for, for this condition has completely just, it's, it's just been amazing. Um, I know a large part of this diagnosis is probably a lot of the emotional support side of it. I mean, it, you are a genetic counselor, um, so counseling has a large part to do with it. I know once someone is diagnosed with something that isn't the greatest, um, I know I've had family that has been gone through cancer and Alzheimer's. Um, so what are some advice that you have for individuals with SMA or their family members that are going through this diagnosis? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I think every family, um, it, I guess, inter- interprets or their, how they perceive or understand how this condition affects them or their loved ones um, is very different. Every family is so different on how they understand the condition, how it affects their lives. And so I... I think my, I, I, I would say that for every family, it's going to be different. It's hard to, I, I, I guess I, I guess my only advice is to make sure that they talk with their medical professionals to make sure that if there is the best treatment available to them that they they seek that they seek that out from emotional support. Some families are ready to participate in support groups, and some are not. Um, and that just that just is where where they're at in their journey. So not every family um, is ready for that. If they are ready, there's some great support groups um, that that can certainly where they can connect with other families who may be going on a similar journey. Um, and one of those support groups is CureSMA.org. They have lots of helpful resources um, on their website about uh, how to manage the condition, um, topics like genetics, daily life with SMA, nutrition, caring caring for emotional and mental health they're in different languages and then they also have a link for local chapters so getting connected to other families that may be in the area to really talk about their journey together um, or share tips about how they've um, dealt with the condition Um, I, I think I want families to know that from a genetic counselor perspective that we're here to support them on their journey and to help guide them through the journey as best as we can. Absolutely. I was also looking through that website earlier and I saw a lot of that and it really hit me how much of a a team aspect it really is. is you're, You're a stepping stone to help provide the best care possible. And while you have a little bit better grasp of genetically what's going on you you truly are a part of the the treatment team with it and really help provide those educational opportunities to the family and just being their biggest advocate as well I think that's really powerful um so wrapping it up um I think a lot of people at create probably a lot of our patients here don't even realize that we have a genetic counselor available to them um and that's something that like I said I didn't really know much about it before um I physically started working here I had heard about it especially after my family went through cancer and Alzheimer's 
but we never really did anything about it. So do you have any advice for maybe some of our family, our families here at Create, or even just anybody listening, if they think, oh, maybe I should look into that? Um, what advice do you have for anyone that might be looking into um, consulting a genetic counselor? Absolutely. So come see us. <laughs> we would love to see you. <laughs> um, and uh, one way, I think some of the hardest part of this to find to see a genetic counselor is finding one. So there is a website called the National Society of Genetic Counselors or NSGC.org, and they have a find a genetic counselor tab on their website where you can search for a genetic counselor in your area by zip code or city. And so if you don't live in Texas, uh, you can, you can find someone or even in, uh, uh, or you don't live in a large city, um, you can find one closest to you for families who are a little bit anxious or nervous to see genetics, uh, the field of genetics or genetic counselors, uh, we are here to help you. Um, there, you know, just reflecting back on what you said about the family history of cancer and Alzheimer's, there are genetic counselors who work in those specialty areas. And so talking with someone about the family history can, can give you more insight onto whether or not you feel or they feel with their training um, that that could be something that could be a concern for other family members. So talking with them, exploring the family history, um, and talking about, you know, what's available out there as far as testing options or how you feel about that can really give you maybe some just additional information to add to your healthcare plan or your team. And I want patients to know, I hope that we're all friendly people. We're, <laughs> we're, we're really here to help you, help your families, answer some questions. Um, I've gotten to really know some really amazing families since, since I found this field a little bit late. <laughs> but I've gotten to know really great families. Um, and uh, most of all, I think what genetic counselors are really trained in is, is listening and hopefully listening to your concerns. And, and that's what we want to do. Absolutely. Um, I can definitely attest that these are some very friendly people. Um, like I said, I don't see them often in the clinic, but they walk past my room all the time and they're always smiling and waving at me and they probably have no idea who I am, but I'm okay with that because they're friendly. So that's perfectly all right. Um, well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and educating us and, uh, you know, just discussing all this with us and giving us a better insight into what SMA is and how hopefully this helps our families to really push to be their biggest advocates. And we really appreciate your time. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been such a pleasure. Thanks. You are listening to the Re-Eval brought to you by Crit. Um, of the many resources here at Crate, I think a lot of our families don't know about genetic counseling. She only comes in um, once a month. And I know we have another one that comes in once a month as well. Um, but this is a really cool resource for our families. I know it made me think back to um, kind of growing up, Alzheimer's and cancer and a few other conditions run through my family and they've really impacted us um, emotionally and physically. And it is really hard when you get those diagnoses. 
I know um, when my grandfather and all of, uh, a couple other people were diagnosed with Alzheimer's, we had the opportunity to go through genetic screening. And at that moment, I chose not to. Um, I was just thinking, hey, I'm too young. It doesn't really apply to me right now. Um, and yet, I wish I did, especially after talking to Rebecca and um, hearing what she has to say. She mentioned how being preventative and working in advance could really help you in the long run. So I really should have had this done a long time ago, but now would be the time if I really want to help uh, my future self and hopefully my future kids so that um, we can tackle on these uh, challenges if they were to occur in the future. Yeah, I think we've we've talked about it um, time and time again. Before coming to CRIT, I just wasn't as aware of all of the um, services that can come with uh, a genetic condition. So uh, we're fortunate to have Rebecca here with us to provide genetic counseling. And it's just not something that I was as familiar with. Um, but I think that if you're... Um, in the position like some of our other families have been or you know as natalie was saying with her family because you know my grandfather also had alzheimer's and it's just something that was never presented to us he um passed but he was in mexico and i would just never have thought of having a genetic screening so just like natalie said it's just something to kind of prepare yourself and your family um just to kind of be a little more aware of what's going on um with yourself right um but if you're looking for someone uh, she had provided some information through a website. Uh, find a genetic counselor uh, for you and, and get what's best for your family because I think it's a service that can definitely help. I agree. Um, like I said, I wish my family, we knew the heavy impact that it could help. She not only helps with the diagnosis factor of it, but she really helps that I mean, part of her title is counseling. And so she's there to provide other resources and give advice of how to navigate through these challenges, whether it's Alzheimer's or spinal muscular atrophy. Um, these individuals are here to really help us and i think it's it's important that you're able to have these resources and as laura mentioned use that go find a genetic counselor and worst case you know what you are up against and best case they know how to help you yeah i think the preparation aspect is is a huge one we had spoken to um different families before this and and when you're thinking of having a child and if you are um in the sense neurotypical you you're not thinking hey i need to get this and this screened and that's kind of what one of our families had said. She had no idea that this was kind of um, in in their blood, in their genes. And um, I've spoken to her after the fact, and she's like, you know, we just kind of won the lottery. <laughs> we have this amazing person now, but you just don't realize how rare these conditions can be. And for someone um, that is looking into maybe having another child, I think that's someone that can help and you in preparation of, of what your next step needs to be, um, just to feel prepared in general. And you can have a little bit of um, mind at ease because there's already a lot of other things going on if you're trying to to conceive as well, right? <laughs> I know it definitely gives me a little bit of peace of mind as hopefully a future mother. Um, like you said, just that preventative factor and you're able to work with these individuals to really um, tackle on what's coming your way. I think it's important and it's a really good resource. I hope our families here at Kurt really take advantage of having these two. She made it sound really easy. You just got to call the front and say, hey, we want to see the genetic counselor and they'll get you in. They'll figure it out. You'll talk to Dr. Riley or whoever you need to to get in. And I think that's really important to have. 
Yeah, and if you don't have um, that available, like we have amazing at our clinic, because um, it's it's easy to say, I think now that we aren't having as many clinics here in the facility, some of our families don't even know that we have that genetic counseling available. So that's on us to bring that awareness. But again, do your best to find um, a genetic counselor to you. And I know that Rebecca was really um, advocating that, you know, they are there to help you. And I think that she does an amazing job here with our um, families. And so I, I know that if you find one outside of the clinic as well, outside of Crip, they're going to be just as amazing. As a nonprofit, we couldn't do what we do without your support. Please visit us at critusa.org for more information on our organization, as well to find a link to donate. We would love to hear feedback from you. As mentioned, we are a podcast to serve you. We are reserving the final portion of each episode to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at critusa.org for questions or topics that you would like to be covered. For more information about the re-eval, please visit critusa.org. Thank you for listening. The information presented on this podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice. Please continue to follow the recommendations of your physician and or other healthcare providers. Please refer to your physician prior to initiating any modifications to your current healthcare regimens. Mm-hmm.